Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Wavelengths, an Amphenol Broadband Solutions podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Thanks again for joining us, folks, on another episode of the show as we continue to explore the trends, the technologies, and the tectonic plate shifting themes and topics that are shaping the world of broadband and the larger telecom industry. Make sure that you're heading to our website, amphenolbroadband.com. Again, that's amphenolbroadband.com for previous episodes of our podcast, Wavelengths, uh, but also more resources on our solutions and services, uh, but of course, more thought leadership as well, including episodes of the podcast, but also videos, white papers, blogs, thought leadership, you name it. All right, folks, let's jump into the conversation. We've got a lot to unpack today, per usual. Today's episode is going to feel a little familiar. Uh, it's actually going to be kind of continuing our tradition on this show of sitting down with industry experts to get their perspectives on how broadband innovations, and specifically fiber, are supporting the connectivity technologies and the networks of today and tomorrow. So with today's chat, we're going to be honing in a little more specifically on the 5G layer through a 5G lens, understanding some of the downstream impacts on the development of IoT uh, deployments, the adoption of IoT uh, technology, and smart city use cases, but then really try to understand why the future of all of those technologies is one that is driven by fiber and what role does fiber play, right? So we're going to get a pulse check on how these edge tech market segments, again, 5G, IoT, and smart cities uh, are all developing today, why these developments are so critical, how they're taking shape, and again, unpack the role that fiber is playing in facilitating the development of these market segments. So let's get into the conversation today with our guest. I'm pleased to welcome Mr. Ritesh Mukherjee. He's SVP and general manager of products at 5G networking leader Insego. So he and his team at Insego are developing 5G and intelligent IoT device to cloud solutions. Recently, they launched SD Edge, which was specifically in response to an enterprise demand for secure digital transformation experiences that are being driven by adoptions and uh, advancements in 5G and IoT. So I'm looking forward to getting this lens today. Ritesh, great to have you on. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks, Daniel, for having me on the show. Uh, I'm excited to talk about fiber and 5G and how you know uh, they mingle together to provide the best experience for customers and enterprises. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate your lens again on the show. Just so our audience understands the unique perspectives you're bringing to the table and how those are informed by your experience, but also in Seago's work, give us that quick elevator pitch, right? What is that lens that you're bringing to the conversation today? Yeah, I mean, if you look at Insego, we provide intelligent device to cloud solutions. And what that means is we provide the last mile uh, to wireless or 5G connectivity. Uh, so we expect to extend the uh, 5G network edge, enable broader coverage with multi-gigabyte speeds, low latency, and so on. Um, I mean, also our, our uh, products are deployed and trusted by you know millions of users, our hotspots, modems, routers, and so on. Um, fiber is obviously essential for enabling this connectivity. I mean, the last mile, yes, which is tough to do with fiber. And fiber is one of those tools. You know, you can do fiber to the home, fiber to the curb, fiber to here. But I mean, ultimately, it's difficult to do that last mile. Wireless provides a great solution for that. But having said that, 
once you have that first hop to the tower, you are connected over fiber. So fiber does is the backbone for many infrastructures, including the 5G infrastructure. Uh, I mean, there's no single wireless connection from me to Amazon or me to Google or Gmail or anything like that. I mean, it all ultimately is from me to the tower, which is then connected via fiber. So we, we like the idea of having fiber and to enable our 5G connectivity, but we also like to obviously think that the last mile is difficult to do with fiber and to pull fiber to every home is difficult. And so that's where this 5G connectivity comes in. And together, 5G and um, uh, fiber can together provide that you know solution which we need uh, to connect all these homes and enterprises and so on. And you know, I think you bring up a good point there that we will expand on a little more naturally in the discussion. But I just want to highlight it that um, you know in all these discussions I have with our telecom pros, it's become more and more and more clear that when we have these discussions about the role of, you know, let's say expansion of rural broadband or development of 5G infrastructure, or we look at recent um, kind of proprietary IoT networks like Amazon Sidewalk being launched, a lot of times the framework of those launches is around this is why this is the best X, Y, and Z technology for this use case. What we're seeing, what you just described, and what we'll break down is that it's the ecosystem that really is the most important and that it's all about as these technologies develop, how are they playing their role better in that ecosystem to be supported by fiber, let's say, or to support wireless connectivity or to um, you know help facilitate connections between X and Y. Uh, that sort of intermingled uh, weight uh, and desire to see competing, but really complementary technologies develop. Uh, that's really the takeaway that I'm excited to lean on today. W would you agree as we get into the discussion that as we see these technologies develop, really, we should be looking at their role in that larger ecosystem? What are your thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, um, ultimately, 5G and fiber are better together. Um, fiber provides the backhaul for all 5G deployments. I mean, um, uh, like I said, I mean, uh, there's no ultimate single, five, single wireless link from us to Amazon or to Google or to cloud or to anything else. I mean, it has to ultimately go fiber. Uh, and fiber is fast and speed is better um, in a vacuum, in the sense, without any other considerations. However, all applications we use in our homes obviously do not demand that high uh, speeds which fiber provides. Uh, this means only investing in fiber is obviously not the only solution. Uh, a combination of FWA, fixed wireless access, uh, fiber, uh, even DOCSIS or any of the existing technologies as well and evolution of that provides the best solution. Uh, and I completely agree with what you said that, you know, we are going to look at it as a holistic picture of what the ecosystem needs. And this is one tool in our toolbox, uh, 5G or you know, fixed wireless access or 5G or fiber. They're all one tool in the toolbox. And we're going to use all of them uh, to make sure that the best, we have the best possible experience. So with that, let's get into some recent developments in 5G. Obviously, at Insego, uh, y'all are at the cutting edge, the bleeding edge of seeing 5G deployed in practice and understanding how do we get this developing in real time? What are you seeing right now in the industry? Just some recent developments that are most critical in the underlying 5G technology. And then I'll ask you some questions about how that's manifesting kind of per industry. Sure. 
Uh, I mean, if you look at it, 5G, I mean, it provides high speeds because of, you know, better data rates and so on uh, and, and improved connectivity and all this. Um, I mean, two of the leading operators in the U.S. today have more than 5 million um, you know, fixed wireless access connections today. Uh, there's about a little bit north of 100 million, I would say, um, fixed wireless access connections worldwide. And that number is continuously going up. Uh, this means about I mean 20% of all broadband connections um, at, at some point will be around FWA. So obviously the biggest use case for 5G has been fixed wireless access, providing these homes with connectivity, uh, especially in rural areas and even in urban areas where you know it's difficult to pull fiber or there's older infrastructure. Fixed wireless access is a quick way to do that. We are seeing um, the new use cases or the promise of use cases which were there with 5G now coming into picture. Uh, like they're used, seeing being used for, you know, AR, VR and um, for connectivity to stadiums and connectivity in different use cases um, in smart cities. Uh, many of the lampposts in some of these uh, newer cities and newer infrastructures are connected by 5G. So we are seeing that happen. But still, I would say about the, the biggest growth for 5G or deployments has been in fixed wireless access, which is connecting basically uh, users and homes uh, with access. The other thing to know is that, I mean, it does help solve the digital divide. Um, I mean, uh, recent reports show that about 22% of US and roughly, I would say 40% of households um, worldwide are on the wrong side of the digital divide um, with no high broadband speeds. Uh, and of course, that's because of you know, various reasons, economic reasons, affordability, last mile challenges, ability to pull, pull uh, you know, fiber and so on. Uh, so there we have seen a lot of deployment in of using 5G solutions or 5G hotspots or 5G mobile routers being given out so that, you know, people can have connectivity. Um, it provides a good way to provide quickly and effortlessly connect these families who are far off or you know don't have good connectivity. Uh, so those are the things we are seeing now. Um, for us, I would say the biggest um, use case has been fixed wireless access, uh, maybe even 60 to 70 percent of our entire deployments are mainly fixed wireless access. Uh, the remaining, uh, I would say, are for connecting um, private networks, manufacturing, industries, smart cities. Uh, they would be the, the next ones which are coming up. We have not yet seen uh, so much of deployments for um, autonomous vehicles and, you know, cars and so on. Uh, there is, of course, wireless connectivity for um, what you say, for getting traffic updates and music in the car and so on, but not so much being used for autonomous driving or anything like that today. Uh, we haven't seen so much of that. Um, so that's what I would say the main uh, deployments have been. Uh, we are seeing also fiber um, 5G being used for connecting um, um, AR, VR headsets and so on. I mean, many of these things only make sense uh, if you're not, you know, plugged to a cable next to your, next to the Ethernet cable or your, your phone. It only makes sense if you can be mobile and if you can use them. So we are seeing use cases like that, but it's still an infancy. I also want to make sure we intersect, um, again, IoT use cases and smart city development. Uh, these are obviously all kind of separate phenomena, right? IoT, it doesn't all happen on 5G. Smart cities are developing without 5G. But 5G's advancement is very much sort of the, the vision for the next phase of a lot of these deployments. Um, when we're talking 
you know, let's say municipal wide IOT, which at that point becomes smart cities, um, something reliable like 5G supported by fiber infrastructure is going to be key. So in that sense, it's useful to think of these as kind of downstream from advancements in fiber and 5G. Uh, I'm curious how you see, uh, you know, development of IoT um, devices, the advancement of these uh, devices, further deployment of them, and then that kind of evolution of IoT ecosystems into smart cities is intersecting with advancements in 5G and fiber tech and deployment, especially because a lot of these smart city deployments that are imagined have a lot of mission critical functions to them. Um, they're either smart cities for you know daily functioning of a downtown, let's say. They're smart cities for wayfinding and emergency situations. They're smart cities in a healthcare setting, right? And so these aren't kind of one-off, fun, quirky deployments. They are mission critical and, and bake into the quality of life for people living in those regions. So with that as context, what are you seeing as the important intersections between these market segments? And um, why does it matter to kind of study the downstream effects on IoT and smart cities um, from you know where 5G and fiber are um, developing and advancing? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at IoT um, connections, they, people talk about you know for using 5G for IoT connections and, and of course, fiber as well. Um, one of the challenges with IoT is obviously the cost of the device. I mean, you have all these Philips Hue devices at, um, at home, uh, which are connected. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. Uh, and they work great. I mean, they're connected to the Wi-Fi in your house. You can give voice commands. You can change colors, turn them on and off. But the main issue is they are not connected to 5G directly. Uh, and that's because the cost of the modem. Uh, the cost of the modem is uh, 5G modem would make the cost of all these IoT devices much more expensive. Um, like today, they're around 10 to $20, these bulbs on the high end. On the lower end, they could be even cheaper. But if I put to put a 5G modem in each one of them, they would become $200 and no one would use them. Um, the issue with the same issue applies to the IoT devices. If I had IoT devices all over the city uh, or for monitoring, you know, sensors and so on in restaurants and houses in buildings and manufacturing and so on, I can't have direct connectivity to the 5G network from these devices, mainly because it would ex increase the cost of those devices significantly. Um, for one or two devices, I can do that. I could pay more. But if there's hundreds and hundreds of devices of IoT sensors I got to deploy, then obviously increasing the cost of each device makes no sense. And what we need then is, of course, a connectivity from there to the backhaul in the sense you need maybe you can have those connected over Wi-Fi, like in the case of the bulbs, and they're connected to let's say a 5G CPE, which can then do the backhaul, or they're connected to fiber, um, uh, to a CPE which is connected to your fiber network, like to an ONT which is doing a Wi-Fi signal and so on. The other option is we could have a large private network in in manufacturing, uh, like now you have these manufacturing plants which are deploying big uh, private networks where you're connected. Uh, with low-cost um, um, uh, modems and so on to the CBRS network, and um, that is forming the, uh, the the network around it, and then you can backhaul again um, uh, that data as you need. One of the things we notice is 5G for IoT makes sense uh, till the time you think of it, like I said, as the backhaul. The time you think of it as 
that's going to be the connection to the end? Will that only make sense in some uh, real mission critical infrastructure where you want to um, have you know the modem built in into the IoT device as well? Otherwise, you need to have some sort of way to reach the 5G backhaul or a fiber backhaul, and you should be thinking of it uh, all of the, using all of these solutions together. Uh, which is why our products, if you look at them, they all come inbuilt with Wi-Fi 6 or 6E uh, today. Uh, that's because we want that, we understand that the last mile after the, the uh, even the 5G CPE will connect to devices which are you know, IoT devices and so on, which will be more mainly over Wi-Fi today. Um, we would love it if all our laptops had, you know, you could plug in a SIM card. Um, and just have connectivity directly, but then the cost of each laptop would increase by $200 or so, and that makes it a little cost prohibitive. So uh, that's where you know it makes sense to just rely on Wi-Fi at the end uh, in your homes and uh, and in manufacturing and in facilities to connect it to the Wi-Fi network and then use it as a backhaul. This does bring, of course, security as a challenge, uh, but there are solutions available for providing security over the the Wi-Fi network. You know, separating your home Wi-Fi from your corporate Wi-Fi and so on. Um, it was a long-winded answer, but I hope I answer. I, I give you some context on, on what we think of, how we think of fiber and uh, 5G in, in relation to IoT. We want them to the backhaul, uh, and the, but not directly to the IoT device. Yeah, and I think that's what we're seeing um, play out in practice, right? It, I think some of the best examples are that a lot of the... Um, most accessible IoT networks that consumers now have access to, for example, Amazon Sidewalk, uh, that is sort of its own proprietary IoT network. Um, it is uh, probably supported by fiber and 5G, but it's not consumers connecting their string of uh, Amazon devices to a 5G connection or to uh, a fiber line or something, right? Um, it's just taking advantage of that strong foundation and then um, having a sort of more short range, but still high power uh, IOT connection for the day-to-day -day use. Right. Um, which then brings me to my last point, which is getting your thoughts on this relationship between wired and wireless links uh, for homes. But I think more importantly for enterprises, right? Because when we think about, the use cases for 5G, for IoT, and uh, smart cities in practice, a lot of them are mission critical, like we've broken down, right? And so having redundancy in links, whether they are wireless, whether they are wired, is key. Should one go down, you're not suddenly, you know, oops, I guess we don't have a network anymore. You have some redundancy in those connections. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on on maybe advice or strategy for how enterprises should approach embracing wired links, wireless links, and developing their own foundational infrastructure to future-proof for some of these digital transformations that are still on the horizon. Absolutely. I mean, the best, um, like I said, the best um, uh, redundancy is provided when you have wired and wireless connections working in tandem. Uh, and the reason for that is the last mile, if you have fiber, that's great. You have good connectivity and it's future proof, but fiber cuts do happen. Things do go wrong. Uh, you have outages. And when that happens, you want to have a wireless connectivity. Um, 
the thing to note is uh, many people think that, you know, why don't I just get two wired connections? Um, that would be great if they are from different, uh, what would you say, um, mediums being provided in the sense of, remember that fiber um, paths are, are similar um, in the sense, it's not like one ISP digs one side of the road and the other ISP digs the other side of the road. No, they're all on the same side of the road. And so when a fiber cut happens, you know, uh, it cuts, um, it can cut both both the fibers. Uh, it's actually a, a common a common problem. Uh, in fact, um, uh, in my previous role, I was uh, at Reliance Geo and we heard uh, the National Stock Exchange of India had an outage. Um, and uh, that reason was they had multiple fiber, multiple fiber connections from multiple providers, uh, but um, uh, both both of them were cut. So, I mean, that does happen. You need to have um, redundancy in connections and the best redundancy is wireless and wired. Now we are even um, telling our, our, uh, in our retail enterprises and so on that you could have one of our outdoor units uh, connected to a far off tower uh, and the indoor unit um, connected to a nearby tower, wireless tower, so that even if that tower went down you or had, had some issues in connectivity or was congested for some reason, even in the wireless links, you would get redundancy with, you know, connectivity to multiple towers and then from there being using fiber as the backhaul. Um, the best solution is obviously to have a wired, have fiber and 5G as the as the last mile or DOCSIS or whatever you have as a wired and 5G as the last mile and then go over the fiber network from the uh, cell tower or from the curb and so on. Um, so a combination of those, uh, we always tell enterprises, think of redundancy for combination of both um, and don't worry so much about redundancy of end devices. People, are, people also tell us like, hey, should we have two of your units? What if one of your unit fails? Um, yeah, but I mean, do you have them connected to different power supplies? No. So what if the power supply fails? You're not really creating redundancy by doing that. What you want is redundancy in the links. Um, and and the, the, the devices themselves, they have very high you know, mean time between failures. So, um, or very low mean time between failures. They hardly fail. Uh, they're good for years and years. So don't worry about that part. Think of the connectivity and think of... Um, you know, how you're going to get redundancy in terms of connections. And the best way to do that is to have wired and wireless work in tandem. And I think that's a good point to, um, you know, to apply to general digital transformation investment. Uh, there's so many competing areas of investment that are drawing enterprises attention. And I think knowing where to place those funds motivated by kind of what you're saying here, right? Which is these investments should go towards areas where, you know, you're going to have the most guaranteed return on your investment. Naturally, that's always a motivating factor. But when we're talking redundancy, for example, if building redundancy on sort of the, the very end of that last mile means you have to invest in secondary power supply, a whole secondary run of devices, nodes, etc. That seems like, you know, maybe down the line, go ahead, do that. Great. Redundancy is always great. But if you can invest instead in the links, in the infrastructure that helps to power your operations, your uh, oversight, whatever it might be, your, your analytics, um, your cloud, you know, your relationship to the cloud, uh, all of that is probably more fundamental because that's where we see more inconsistencies 
should a network go down, you know you have a backup network connection, or should one slow down, um, you know, I know a lot of enterprises have, um, you know, these links operating in tandem, uh, so it's not one, and if it goes out, it's the other, but actually sort of simultaneously pulling from whichever one is um, up or is faster or better serves X or Y or Z purpose. Is that level of sort of granular uh, relationship with um, wired versus wireless connections something that you're seeing enterprises deploy and get strategic about? Um what are you seeing on that front? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, there's nothing called backups anymore. I mean, there's no point in having a building a, a second connection and just not using it or just waiting to use it. Um, I mean, if you had Ronaldo and Messi on the same team, you wouldn't use one at a time. You would let both of them go on the field and score as many goals as you can. So same thing, if you have wireless and wired connections, it's not like one is a backup of the other. No, you're using both of them active-active. Um, but of course, you're going to load balance intelligently, maybe even combine the speeds intelligently uh, so that you can get the best out of out of the out of both uh, both the scenarios. There is a, a tendency to think that wire wireless always uh, will be the backup, mainly because wired is sort of, you know, the cost is included and wired uh, wireless I'm paying for data, uh, which is true in many cases. But now the data caps are so high with all these operators providing um, connections. You don't need to really worry about, uh, about you know, uh, not using the wireless connection and only using wired. Um, you could also set your threshold. I mean, nowadays we can monitor thresholds and so on that, you know, use this first, use this second or load balance them 50-50, 70-30, whatever way you want. What we tell um, um, our users uh, especially the ones at home, remote work or um, enterprises, is that your mission-critical traffic, we give the best priority and we put it on the best possible network. The remaining, we backhaul over the, obviously, the low-cost or the cheapest possible uh, solution. Uh, so if you want, um, you can have, you use the 5G network, let's say, only for your enterprise traffic, um, and the wired connection for everything else, like, you know, your fun traffic, like guest Wi-Fi, YouTube, Xbox, and so on traffic. Or you could say, send everything over the, the wired network and in times of congestion, move only the enterprise traffic to 5G so that there has a clear path. Uh, you can do all sorts of these combinations now. Um, most of our devices, especially the SDH solutions, they are very intelligent to do all of these uh, different things you want. Uh, but yeah, definitely you should be using both active-active uh, and utilizing the best possible um, scenario for your application so that you can you know, load balance and aggregate traffic uh, over these links intelligently. All right, Ritesh, I think on that note, we'll go ahead and end on an actionable note for our audience. Thank you again for your perspectives today, giving us your insight into uh, recent developments in 5G, IoT, and smart city technology use cases. But then again, understanding the role fiber plays in supporting these real-time developments. Um, you know, as folks are familiar with on this podcast, these are trends that are developing in real time. That's why we have multiple conversations with multiple experts like yourself, Ritesh at least once every few months to get another pulse check. So I imagine we're going to continue to see, um, you know, 
new fiber deployment, new infrastructure um, motivation, whether federal, you know, funding or otherwise, 5G infrastructure continuing to develop in the U.S. And as we see this, we're going to keep posing these questions on the relationship between network technologies and how they can support um, the end point use cases of today and tomorrow. So Ritesh, again, thank you so much for your insights. Folks, we've been chatting with uh, Ritesh Mukherjee. He is, again, SVP uh, and general manager of products at 5G networking leader Insego. Uh, to learn more about Insego, you can go to insego.com. And Ritesh, if folks want to learn a little bit more about some of the work you're doing or pick your brain a little bit, where should we point them? Yeah, I mean, the website is obviously a good point. We have contacts. Uh, you can obviously come in and, and we can talk about it. You can hit me up on LinkedIn uh, or, or on Twitter. I, I, I do monitor them sometimes. Uh, and so that's one way to reach me. Um, fiber and 5G are better together. Uh, and fiber forms the backhaul for all 5G. So that's the main thing to know. Um, and Daniel, it was nice talking to you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And I, I hope I'll be back soon again uh, to talk more. Absolutely. Looking forward to that next conversation. Ritesh Mukherjee, thank you again for your time. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. And thank you again, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Wavelengths, an Amphenol Broadband Solutions podcast. If you like what you heard and saw today and you want previous episodes or you want to make sure that you don't miss out on the next important conversation on the future of broadband and the larger telecom industry, make sure you're heading to our website, amphenolbroadband.com. And make sure that you're subscribing to Wavelengths on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Wavelengths, an Amphenol Broadband Solutions podcast.